I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. The government of Syria says it's united behind embattled President Bashar al-Assad. But today, the Assad regime seemed to suffer a very public defection. A deputy oil minister appeared in a YouTube video to announce his resignation. Abdul Husamedin said in the video that he's joining the revolution against the government. He served for three decades. He said he didn't want to continue serving in the crimes of the regime, and he urged others to also abandon what he described as a sinking ship. The authenticity of the video could not be independently confirmed, but it certainly added to the mounting pressure on the Syrian regime. Today, United Nations humanitarian chief Valerie Amos told reporters she was devastated by what she saw in homes yesterday. Amos was allowed by the regime to tour the Baba Amr neighborhood, which was heavily bombarded by the government for nearly a month. The uh, devastation uh, there is uh, significant. Uh, the, uh, that part of uh, Homs is uh, completely uh, destroyed, and I'm uh, concerned to know what has happened to the people who lived in that part of the city. It's not known how many of those residents in Homs were killed during the siege, and today opposition activists said government forces continue to kill people there. The reported massacres in Homs are not without precedent. Correspondent Robert Fisk sees many parallels between what's been happening in Homs and the slaughter in the Syrian town of Hama in 1982. Fisk, who reports for Britain's The Independent, says he was the only journalist to report from Hama during that siege 30 years ago. Back then, it was the current president's father, Hafez al-Assad, who was in charge. Fisk calls what we're seeing today in Homs the ghost of Hama. The Syrian defense brigades of Bashar al-Assad's father, Hafez, they smashed their way into Hama after there was an Islamist uprising, a real Islamist uprising, not of regime opponents demanding democracy, but regime opponents demanding an Islamic state. And largely, the West went along with this. We didn't mind it if Hafez al-Assad and his brother Rifat, Bashar's uncle, wanted to crush these Islamists, and they did so brutally. They destroyed most of the old medieval city of Hama, smashed down the ancient Nouriel water wheels, bombarded the ancient Great Mosque until it was nothing but rubble, killed at least 10,000 Syrian citizens. That's more, that's 3,000 more dead in 20 days than have died of the estimated death toll in the whole of Syria for the past year. And afterwards, those survivors were taken away and executed or tortured to death. So Hama was on a much greater scale, a much more ruthless scale, And the West said very little about it because at the time we were much more worried about Islamic revolution than we were. I remember this was only two, three years after the Iranian revolution Mm. than we were about human rights and democracy. Robert Fisk, as an observer of Syrian history, how does that 1982 episode in Hama come into play now? I mean, where does that lead you? Although the Homs uprising, if you like to call it that, began with civilians unarmed in the streets demanding democracy and human rights. The so-called Free Syrian Army, largely but not entirely made up of defectors from the government army, have in some cases got units which are quite Islamist themselves, not only crying Allah Akbar, but boasting of people whose heads they've cut off among the opposition and among civilians of the other side, that's to say those Muslims and in some cases Christians supporting the government. This is not a black and white picture, and the parallels with government ruthlessness 30 years ago against Hammer can also be made as parallels between the growing Islamist feelings of the opposition in Homs 
on the undoubted desire for an Islamist revolution in Hama 30 years ago. What do you think then the Western powers should be doing now with, with Homs and Syria generally? Well, the funny thing about the Western powers now is that the less they actually do and the less they are prepared to do, and the more they claim they can't do anything militarily, the more they rage against the regime and say that Bashar al-Assad must go. In other words, the hate ratio goes up against Bashar as the desire to actually do anything to help the opposition goes down. It's interesting that for once it's the Arabs, particularly the Arabs of the Gulf states, that want the opposition to be armed, whereas it is the West that does not. Should an international force go into Syria? If a UN force went in, it would need the permission of the Syrian authorities. And I think the Syrian Ba'ath Party is a lot tougher and the Syrian government is a lot tougher than we think it is. You know, when you're in Syria, and I was in Damascus just before Christmas, it doesn't feel like a regime that's about to collapse. And, you know, Madame Clinton can huff and puff at the United Nations or the State Department. And David Cameron can make pretty speeches and Mr. Sarkozy. But at the end of the day, remember that the Syrian Ba'ath Party is one of the original nationalist movements in the Arab world. It has very deep, sharp, hard roots. It took 25 years to get the Syrian government out of Lebanon. How long do you think it's going to take to get them out of their own country, Syria? Uh, This is a country whose minorities will fight brutally and ruthlessly to keep their own lives because they've been protected by the Ba'ath Party. I think that there may well be a civil war if there isn't already in Syria, but it's going to go on for a long time. The idea that you can just topple Assad by sending in an international force, I think that's a mirage. So what do you think's to come in Syria? I mean, is it indeed, as uh, President Obama said, uh, not a question of if but when Bashar al-Assad falls? What the Assad regime wants to do is to have some form of legitimate change, which will still allow the Ba'ath Party to exist, perhaps not in government, but it will still have some kind of honorable role in the regime, in, in, in the, if not in the government, in the country. Now, many people will tell you, particularly Syrians who've suffered so cruelly at the hands of the government, that this is long gone. The chances of that are have disappeared. I'm not entirely certain that's true. There might be some form of Ba'athism which might continue in some circumstances. But you see, I think that Bashar al-Assad has one major problem. He'd rather like, I think he always wanted to be the man who brought freedom of some kind to Syria. But now he's up against the revolution. If he tries to bring that freedom now and say, I'm with the people, not with the regime, he'll suffer a coup d'etat a correctional movement, which is what his father staged against the old regime all those years ago, 40 years ago. Mm. There are people in the regime who will be so frightened that they will lose their lives if Bashar goes, that they will turn against him if he tries to make radical changes in the country now. So I came to the conclusion several months ago that what Bashar will do is soldier on and hope for the best, which is what he's doing. Robert Fisk, the Middle East correspondent for The Independent, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome.